Thank you for listening to Southside Baptist Church's podcast. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us online at southsidesbc.org. Again, that's southsidesbc.org. Additionally, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you, or if you would like to know more about Jesus and why we serve him, please email us at info at southsidesbc.org. Thank you for listening. Uh, I want to start out this morning talking about somebody. I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, uh, with this gentleman or not. How many of you know the name Steve Harvey? You heard of Steve Harvey? Okay, more than I thought. Okay, um, Steve Harvey um, is a, uh, a, 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 a person, a entertainer. He started out as a comedian, uh, but now has become kind of a, uh, an entertainer, a TV personality and so forth. He um, is the host of the, the long-running game show that I've always loved, Family Feud. All right, y'all know Family Feud. I don't know how many years he's been doing that. Um, my understanding is that he also has uh, hosted uh, the Miss America pageant for the past few years. In fact, I think he's the guy um, who uh, declared the wrong winner a couple of years ago. And so, listen, you've got to, you've kind of got to, you got to rebound from that is something, right? Uh, that's that's really uh, impressive. Uh, but he also has had for the past few years a, uh, a talk show on TV. Um, I think it was called the Steve Harvey show, but fairly recently, just in this past year, they've, they've picked up their operations from Chicago. They were doing it in Chicago and they've moved out to LA and I believe it now it's just called Steve. So I guess, you know, you've arrived when they name a show after you and it's just called by your first name, Steve. Now, outwardly, uh, Steve Harvey's a very funny guy. A very personable, seems very friendly, and seems like a guy, if you were to meet him on the street, you could just have a conversation with. Um, however, uh, evidently, behind the scenes and behind the stage, things have become a little different. I want to read uh, to you a letter that Steve Harvey wrote to his cast, to the crew of his TV show, uh, just before their last season in Chicago. I hope none of you would write something like this. Um, But here's what he said. He said, good morning, everyone, and welcome back. I'd like you all to review and adhere to the following notes and rules for season five of my talk show. There will be no meetings in my dressing room, no stopping by or popping in, and in all caps, no one. Do not come to my dressing room unless invited. Do not open my dressing room door. (laughs) And then in all caps, if you open my door, expect to be removed. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? My security team will stop everyone from standing at my door who had the intent to see or speak to me. I want all the ambushing to stop now. That includes TV staff. You must schedule an appointment. I've been taken advantage of by my lenient policy in the past. This ends now, and in all caps, no more. Do not approach me while I'm in the makeup chair unless I ask to speak with you directly. Either knock or use the doorbell. I'm seeking more free time for me throughout the day. Do not wait in any hallway to speak to me. I hate being ambushed. I think by now we get it. He hates being ambushed, right? (laughs) Please make an appointment. I promise you I will not entertain you in the hallway and do not attempt to walk with me. And I love this. If you're reading this, yes, I mean you. (laughs) Everyone, do not take offense to the new way of doing business. Let me just interject. I don't know. There's a lot of things that I don't take offense to, but I don't know how you don't take offense to this. It is for the good of my personal life and enjoyment. Thank you all. And it's signed, Steve Harvey. 
Now, when I read that, um, that letter's pretty harsh. Uh, it's pretty stern. Um, and, and I'm not sure what all precipitated this. I'd like to give Steve Harvey the benefit of the doubt, but it's obvious that for whatever reason, friends, Steve Harvey has become, at least to his staff, unapproachable. He's become totally unapproachable. And friends, I don't know about you, but aren't you glad that our God is not like that? Amen. You know, we just sang about it. Come to the altar. What a great song to, 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 talk, to lead into this, friends, that God is not like that. We have a God who wants us to approach him and to come to him. Amen. But listen, if anyone has the right to be approachable, or excuse me, if anyone has the right to be unapproachable, it's God. God has the right to be unapproachable. Listen, he's holy. We are not. He is righteous, we are not. He is perfect, we are not. He is separate from all that is ugly and profane and perverse in this world, and we are not, friends. So God has the right to be unapproachable. Yet, with all our unrighteousness, we are told here in our text today in Hebrews chapter four, that through Jesus Christ, we may come boldly to the throne of grace. I don't know about you, but I praise God for that. Amen. We are told that we can approach the otherwise unapproachable God. And here's the thing. It's not just that we can come to him. We're encouraged to come to him. We're encouraged. God wants us to come to him. Our text today in verse 16 says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Friends, uh, we are told not to shy away, away, but to come boldly and approach God uh, for salvation and and with our problems. Amen? He said, but pastor, pastor, what if God's mad at me? What if God God doesn't like me, pastor? What What if God doesn't want me to bother him with all of my problems? We can think that way sometimes, can't we? Man, I keep going back to God and going back to God. And I keep taking the same thing back to him. Or, man, I keep asking for forgiveness and re- I repent about this. And it seems like I'm always coming about the same sin and the same sin. Friends, let me, let me say something this morning, all right? You can write this down in bold letters across your outline this morning. Let me guarantee you this. God wants you to come to him. God wants you to come to, to come to him with your problems. He wants you to come to him with your shortcomings. He wants you to come to him with your failures, with your sin, with anything, your, your needs. Friends, God wants you to come to him. This morning, I want to talk to you about why you have no reason to be afraid. Friends, why, why, why you can come to God boldly and without fear. So take your outline this morning. I want to just give you three reasons from our text this morning or, or three proofs, if you will, of, of why God, how we know that God wants us to come to him. Number one, first of all, friends, God wants us to come to him. We need not fear coming to him, friends. And we, uh, the proof is that he took the initiative in coming to us. He took the initiative in coming to us. Friends, we can approach God boldly. Why? Because he first approached us. You know, many people are fearful of God. Many people see God as um, this, the, the, the great big guy in the sky who's going to zap us if we do something wrong, right? They think God is waiting for them to do something wrong so he can bring down the hammer. 
Now, friends, while God is a holy and just God and he must punish sin, he does not want to hurt us. God does not want to hurt us, friends. Uh, he does not find pleasure in that. In fact, if you look at your outline this morning, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, you're probably familiar with this verse and uh, it says, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, doesn't want anybody to, to die or to perish, but that all should, look at this word, come to repentance. So friends, God doesn't want us to die. Listen, we are all sinners by nature and by choice and our sin means that we are separated from God. And if we never trust Christ, that means yes for eternity in hell. But listen, God doesn't want that. The verse here says God is not willing, doesn't want any of us to perish, but he wants us to do what? Come to him. He wants us to come to him in what? Repentance. And that's an attitude of our heart that is uh, recognized our sin, is recognized our shortcomings before God, and we come humbly to him leaning and crying out to him for mercy. I love the picture that Jesus gives um, of, of, of uh, the, 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 the Pharisee and the tax collector in the New Testament in Luke chapter 18, I believe it is, um, where uh, he, he, the, 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 the Pharisee comes in all of his pride, but the tax collector comes and he comes uh, really just kind of barely able to get in and he prostrate prostrates himself before God prostrate on the floor and he says uh, uh, Lord be merciful to me a sinner friends that's the attitude our heart needs to be in coming to God amen I want you to look at our text this morning here in verse 14 friends uh, it is for this very reason that God does not want us to perish but he wants us to come to him in repentance it's for that very reason that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us amen We're going to pick up here in verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 4. And we've been talking the past few weeks about entering into God's rest. How many here need some rest? Okay, physical rest maybe. Uh, Man, do we really just need rest for our souls? You can be busy physically. You can have problems physically. But when you have God's rest, you know that all is good because God's in control. And, And God wants us to enter into that rest. That's what we've been talking about over the past several weeks and stuff. Um, last week, verse 11 said, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. In other words, it's up to us. We come to God, we surrender ourselves to him, and we can come to him and enter into his rest by proclaiming him as a Lord and Savior of our life. We talked about the fact uh, that the word of God lays us open. It reveals our hearts that we can't fool God, we can't fool anybody. Amen? Uh, we are laid open before God, uh, and the, the way and the reason and, and the, the, the means through which we come to God, he reiterates here in verse 14. Look at what he says. He says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. So in light of the fact that God wants us to enter into his rest uh, in light of the fact that we need to do it now, we need to not wait. We, we're never guaranteed a tomorrow. Amen. God's word will reveal our hearts, uh, even when they fool us. Uh, we are to come 
and, and confess Jesus Christ as Lord. What a great song to sing this morning as we confess our belief in God and, and, and his son and, and, and who all he is. And so uh, here in verse 14, we are reminded that we have a great high priest. Um, this is a theme throughout the book of Hebrews. And so we've talked about this some already. We're going to continue to talk about this. And we're going to really dig into this um, a lot more in the weeks to come. But very simply, what is a high priest? A priest in the Old Testament was appointed uh, as a mediator between God and man. Now, most of the priests in the Old Testament um, were that because um, they were born into that lineage. They were born into the priest, priestly lineage. And so they served as mediators between God, God and men, and they offered sacrifices on the behalf of the people. Friends, Jesus is our great high priest because he has offered the ultimate sacrifice for us as sinners before God. Amen. He has offered himself as the one, as Hebrews will tell us later on, the one final sacrifice, payment for our sins. So that friends, because, and we've talked about this, how he came and stepped out of heaven. Uh, The next phrase there says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. You know, I was really meditating on this phrase uh, a lot this week. And what really does that mean? And I was reading what different commentators uh, said on that and so forth. But man, you just think about that. I think that's just a great way to say that Jesus Christ, our great high priest has passed through the heavens. He has passed through the heavens, if you will. Now the Bible talks about three different heavens. It talks about first heaven being our atmosphere, the second heaven being the cosmos and the universe, and that third heaven being God's abode or or what we think of as, as heaven. And so when we think about that, which heavens has he passed through? Friends, well, really he's passed through all of them. Amen. He stepped out of that abode where he, as God, uh, has eternally lived, and he stepped through our heavens to come here to earth as a baby in a manger and and, and to live a life uh, as a human being. But then after he lived his 33 years here on earth and after he did what he came to do in dying for our sins on the cross and then rising from the dead and spending uh, 40 days here on the earth, what did he do? He ascended back to heaven and he pass through the heavens back to that abode where God lives eternally, where he is now seated at the right hand of the father. So friends, Jesus, our great high priest has stepped out of heaven, has passed through the heavens and has come to us to do what only he could do. Therefore, let us hold fast our confession. Amen. Because he has done that for us. Listen, when we needed him, he didn't wait for us. He passed through the heavens. He came to us. So because of that, friends, let us hold fast to him. I talked about Steve Harvey at the beginning. Um, you know, there are certain people, certain individuals that um, are just very aloof. Uh, certain people kind of keep their distance, standoffish, uh, uh, unapproachable. Um, actors and actresses can be this way a lot of times, right? Uh, and maybe, maybe we don't blame them for all the um, attention they get and so forth. Uh, politicians can be that way as well, very aloof, uh, unless it's time to be reelected and then all of a sudden they're your best buddy. Um, athletes at times can, can kind of be that way as well. Anybody in the spotlight, but, but here's the thing. Even if somebody's in the spotlight and, and is kind of unapproachable like that, there are things they can do to be more approachable. Um, our family, um, 
we're, we're Pittsburgh Steeler fans, so we love the Steelers. And so we have gotten the opportunity a couple years ago to go to what is known as Steelers training camp. And um, that, uh, how many of you have been to Colts training camp? Okay, Colts here, no, Notre Dame training camp, Mark, anything? No? Okay, just, just, just practicing. Or do they even practice? Do they practice at Notre Dame and stuff? Okay, so uh, we ha- we've had the opportunity to, to go to Steelers training camp. And so um, the, the, the neat thing is, so they've, the players are all practicing down the field. You get an opportunity to see them. It's usually before, it's before the season starts. And uh, you've got all the stars are there and so forth. And, and uh, usually at Steelers training camp, there's roughly about 10,000 people showing up there every day. It's a, a lot of folks. And, um, uh, but the players are on the field and they're kind of separated from the fans. Uh, they can seem a little bit unapproachable. However, um, many days after they're done with practice, long days practice, there's a fence around uh, the field and even where they walk up, um, the players can do something that uh, makes them more approachable. Uh, and one of the things our kids uh, have had the privilege of doing is getting autographs from some of the, these players that you see on TV, Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, others like that. And uh, how, here's how you know if those players are approachable. How do I know if I can go up to them? The way you know if you can go up to, get, to ask an autograph for them is the players will come to the fence. The players will, after they're done with practice, they will come over to the fence and then they will begin signing autographs. And our kids went up and, and got all stood in line and got autographs from them. But I think that is, uh, gives us a picture a little bit about how God, who in his holiness, we need to be careful about approaching him. We'll talk about that in, um, in a few weeks about um, how the Old Testament tabernacle and temple was set up to show us how we properly approach God. But very simply put is that how do we know we can approach God now? He tells us that, friends, but we know we can approach God because he, like those athletes, has approached us. How awesome is that? that God wants us to come to him. So what did he do? He stepped out of heaven and he came to us. God initiated that relationship with us. So number two, first of all, we know that we can approach him, friends, because he first initiated and approached us. Second, friends, how do we know we can go to God? Um, How do we know we can approach him boldly, friends? We know that, friends, because we see that God knows what we're going through. God knows what we're going through. Um, I don't know if you've ever felt like this before, but maybe at times we're going through something difficult or we've uh, had a a huge uh, disappointment or we maybe are going through a time of grief because of a loss in our our lives. And maybe we're at that point where we say, you know what, Um, nobody else can relate to me. Listen, I feel all alone. I feel like uh, nobody else understands what I'm going through. Friends, what the scripture tells us is God knows. God knows. Lord Jesus Christ knows. Look at verse 15. What, what our scripture says to us it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. How can God know our weaknesses? He is, he is eternal, He is, he, he is everlasting. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. How can God know our weaknesses? Because he came and put on flesh. 
The word sympathize means to be affected with the same feeling as another. So, friends, God can identify with us in our weaknesses because he put on flesh. He became a man and as a, therefore as a man went through all the things that we do. He, I, he did all of that, friends, to identify with us, to, 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 to be able to, for us to relate to him. Friends, he experienced all the struggles of humanity that we do. You ever been troubled by something in your life? Scripture says Jesus was troubled by the things going on around him. You ever been hurt by somebody close to you? Anybody? Friends, Jesus was hurt by people close to him. Uh, you ever been just, we talked about it already, you ever been just tired and worn out? Friends, Jesus was tired and worn out. You ever been grieved in your spirit, maybe at the loss of a loved one or, 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 or maybe at something else going on in your life, friends? The scripture tell us that Jesus wept. Uh, have you ever felt like uh, others are, are making fun of you or ridiculing you? Friends, Jesus was mocked, ridiculed, scorned. Friends, scripture even tells us in the Garden of Gethsemane, he sweat drops of blood. We go on and on. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. But look at the next part. It says, but was in all points tempted as we are. Friends, he experienced temptation just as we do. You say, oh, pastor, Jesus uh, couldn't experience temptation like we do. Uh, and he was God. Friends, look at what the scripture says. Was in all points tempted as we are. Friends, we have a record of this specifically in Matthew chapter 4. As Satan tempted him in the wilderness. In those areas that scripture lays out, those, those three main areas of, of, of temptation and sin, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And how did he respond? He resisted it, didn't he? He didn't succumb. Uh, he was yet without sin. Friends, but he wasn't just tempted as we are. He felt what we feel in those temptations. Maybe even more than we do. Um, the anguish the nervousness, the, the sweaty palms. You know, there is a degree of every temptation that we may never be susceptible to because uh, we reach our limit, right? We actually, we give in before we reach the limit of that temptation. You understand what I'm saying? Um, uh, we are tempted in something and, and maybe we're not tempted to the, the greatest degree of that temptation because we give in. We give in to that temptation, but here's what scripture says. Scripture says that Jesus didn't give in. He was without sin. So, so the feeling, any feeling you've ever felt in that temptation, whether it's anger or frustration or, 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 or uh, 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 even loneliness and all those things, friends, uh, any of those feelings that we feel in temptation, the, the, the nervousness, uh, Jesus felt all of that, friends, uh, because he didn't give in. So he felt the full brunt of Satan's attacks. Therefore, he knows what we're going through. He knows how we feel because he has felt what we feel. Amen? He has experienced what we've experienced. How many of you have ever been something, been through something in your life and wondered, uh, why did God allow this to happen? Been there? Okay, we all have. Um, how many of you have ever been through, been through something like that, only later to realize that one of the reasons you went through that was so that you could help others? That going through the same thing. You ever been through, you ever realized that in your life? 
Uh, I think that's a big reason many times, whether maybe it was the death of a loved one or maybe whether it's physical illness or a miscarriage or financial difficulties or whatever, friends will listen. Just as God allows us to go through those things for that reason, friends, he has gone through stuff for the same reason. Jesus came to earth and we think about the fact, yes, he came to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, to atone for our sins. Friends, we can't miss that. But in that, friends, he became human to identify with us. He knows what we're going through. And so, listen, he is not some God way out there somewhere in the universe that cannot relate to what we're going through. Friends, Jesus lived as a man on this earth. He knows what we're going through. So we can go to him. We can lean on him. We can trust in him. Amen? But there's one key point we cannot overlook. We've already talked about it a little bit, friends, is that he was in all points tempted as we are, what are those last three words? Yet without sin. Friends, that's so crucial. He can identify with us because he was one of us, friends, but he also experienced everything we did without sin. So positionally, friends, uh, one of the things that is so crucial is how was Jesus able to be our, the sacrifice for our sins? Well, he became a human being. He became one of us so that he could be our sacrifice, uh, the sacrifice for our sins. But if he had sinned, how could he offer himself as a sacrifice? He would need somebody to pay for his sin. Friends, but he didn't. Because he was without sin, he was the perfect sacrifice. What scripture calls the spotless lamb of God who is, can take away the sins of the world. Amen? So then he can offer himself, as we talked about several weeks ago, as one of our brother, brethren, as one of us, as a human being, as a sacrifice for us that if we put our faith and trust in him, we will have eternal life. We will be brought back to God. Amen? So that's a key point. We can't forget, friends. We Listen, we can go boldly to God. There's no fear. We don't need to fear going to God, friends, first of all, because he came to us. Amen? Second of all, friends, because he knows what we're going through. And third, because his throne of judgment has become a throne of grace. We come to verse 16 in our text, and um, we're not going to read it quite yet. We've already read the first part of it. But verse 16 is in stark contrast to verse 13. Um, verse 13 that we looked at last week um, is a warning. It is a warning to all of us that there's nothing we can hide. There's nothing hidden from God. Amen? Look at what it says. It says, and there is no creature hidden from his sight. Think you got secrets? Yeah, you all, we all have secrets, amen? But not from God. Not from God. He knows. He knows. The scripture lays it open. We need to allow the scripture to lay it open now so we can do something about it. But friends, God knows. He knows your deepest, darkest secret. So you can't hide it from him. You can't think, oh, wow, you know what? This is something I can just hide. Nobody ever know about. And I'll just go on my merry way. Friends, we're going to have to deal with that with God one day. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him. 
I want you to look at this last part. To whom we must give account. Friends, we're all accountable to God. Amen? And the sense of verse 13 is that God is a God of judgment. Right? We are, everything we have, it's open to him. He knows it all. And we're going to all give an account for that. And so the spirit of verse Verse 13 is that God is a God of judgment. And so we better be careful what you try to hide from God. You better do business with God now because you're going to stand before him one day. However, we fast forward three short verses and let's read verse 16. It's a totally different story. Look at what verse 16 says. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So here in three, four, three short verses, we see uh, going from a throne of judgment to a throne of grace. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. So what transpired between verse 13 and verse 16 to turn that throne of judgment into the throne of grace? Friends, we just talked about it, isn't it? It's our great high priest, Jesus Christ, has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Amen. He has offered himself as the sacrifice on the cross for our sins, friends. And so because of that, we can come boldly. We can come with an attitude of confidence to speak freely before God. Listen, a holy God, not because of what we've done, friends, but because of what Jesus did for us in shedding his body and blood on the cross for us. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. Friends, because of his provision, because of what he's done, we now can bring our cares, our concerns, our sins, our sorrows, uh, our messed up lives to him and know that in Jesus Christ, what are we going to get? Grace. It's not judgment. It's grace. If we come through the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, when I was in elementary school, way back yonder, I'm not that old, but it's becoming longer and longer ago. Um, this may surprise some of you, but even when I was in elementary school, uh, corporal punishment was still legal. Okay. For corporal punishment, spanking. Okay. Um, yeah, it was still legal. Um, in fact, I remember several teachers that had paddles. Uh, one of my teachers loved to, that she had a whole drawer full um, of those, you know, those little round paddles that had the ball on them that you do, 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 yeah. She would have a whole, she had a whole drawer of those. And uh, when, if she didn't have one already out because she had a drawer for them because she ended up breaking several um, uh, on, I won't say what she broke them on, but uh, anyway, she would grab one of those paddles and unwrap it real quick and she'd pull the ball off and she'd go chasing. I remember this one little boy named Russell. She'd go chasing Russell around the room and she'd eventually get him. In fact, uh, one of the problems was Russell, as she would chase him around the room, he would kind of slide into one of the chairs about the time she was coming with her full swing and Russell would slide into the chair and she would come with her full swing and hit the chair instead of Russell and break the paddle and then start the process all over again. It's kind of funny. But um, uh, in elementary school, we had, a, um, we had a guidance counselor who everybody was afraid of, Mrs. Porter, Mrs. Porter. Um, and uh, sweet lady, nice lady. However, um, she was stern. She was, uh, 
Um, she was tough. Uh, African-American lady, everybody respected her, um, but nobody wanted to go to Miss Porter's office, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, Miss Porter didn't have one of those nice little round paddles. Miss Porter had, um, had one of those big, long, rectangular paddles, okay? And, and I don't know how this got there, but in the end of that long, rectangular paddle, there was a hole about this big. I, I don't know. Some of you shaking your head there a little bit, you know. I don't know if that was to leave her brand or, uh, or what, but um, you did not want to end up into Miss Porter's office. Well, guess what? One day, um, I, I did, I got in trouble. Yeah. I know that surprises some of you, okay, <laughs> that I would ever get in trouble, but um, one day I got in trouble and I got sent to Miss Porter, Porter's office. Now, I want you to ask, say, Pastor Scott, what did you do? I'm not telling you. <laughs> That's between me, Jesus, and Miss Porter. <laughs> and um, so I got sent to Miss Porter's office, and um, I was scared. You know, everybody was afraid to go to Miss Porter's office, and so got caught, got in trouble, went to Miss Porter's office. And I told you, I'm not telling you what I did. So it's not happening. Um, got sent to Miss Porter's office and she sat me down and she began to question me and find out the, the scoop and find out the story. And so I, I poured my heart out and I told her what happened and so forth. And, and then I was ready. I was ready for the beating to begin. I knew it was coming and I knew I deserved it. And so I was ready for that. And uh, about that time, as uh, soon as I expected the beatings began, here's what she said. She said, Scott, she said, I know your mama. Oh. Yeah, getting worse. But I want to tell you something. Um, don't ask mama because she doesn't know either. Miss <laughs> Porter says, Scott, I know your mama and I know she wouldn't approve of what you've done. But because she's such a sweet lady, I'm going to let you go this time. But Scott, I trust that this will be a warning to you and you won't be coming to my office again. And guess what? Sure enough, I didn't. <laughs> that was enough of a warning for me. But friends, what I discovered was this. Because of a relationship that Miss Porter had with my mom, unbeknownst to me, her throne of judgment had turned into a throne of grace. And friends, it is in a similar type way, it is through our relationship with Jesus Christ as our high priest that God's throne of judgment has turned into a throne of grace. But friends, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, what do you have to look forward to? The throne of judgment. Here's the offer. The writer of Hebrews says, let us not hesitate to come to enter into God's rest. Let us come into God's rest. The offer is there. The altar is open that we can come to Jesus Christ. He came to die on the cross to pay for our sins. So what is our responsibility? We hear the gospel that Jesus died for us, rose again to pay for our sins. We have to believe that and receive that. His offer is out. Will you receive him as your Lord and Savior today? Friends, maybe you're here today and, and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. 
I want to invite you. It's as simple as saying, Lord Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. Believe you did that for me. Would you come into my life and save me from my sin and be my Lord and my Savior? Friends, here's what the Bible says. All, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promise of God. But maybe some of you are here this morning and you've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you've been struggling. Maybe you're struggling with a sin. Maybe you're struggling with, 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 with things that have just not gone the way you want them to go. Maybe, maybe it's something that you keep falling into and you keep coming back to God and you ask God for forgiveness and you keep coming back again and again and again and you say, listen, I know God doesn't want to hear me. Yes, he does. He wants you to keep coming to him in genuine repentance. And friends, I want to invite you today, Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, to turn from your sin, to turn to Christ. God loves you. He wants you to be part of his family and he wants to be your forever father. If you'll come to him fully and completely, with whatever it is you're going through today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that we will stand before you one day. And Lord, everything that we have done will be laid out before you. Lord, we know that on our own merit, we are sinners and we are separated from you. And on our own merit, Lord, we deserve death and hell. But Lord, that is not your best wishes for us. You came, Lord Jesus, to give of yourself, to die on the cross that we may not have to live eternally separated from you. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that we can come boldly to you in repentance, turning from our sin, professing and proclaiming you as our Savior, our Redeemer, and our Lord, acknowledging you for who you really are, our Creator and our Sustainer, and the one to whom we must give account. So Lord, today, as you have made it possible, Lord Jesus, through your shed body and blood on the cross, for us to come to you. Let us not hesitate. Let us come boldly with whatever's going on in our lives, with our sin, with our shortcomings, with our failures, with our problems. Lord, we lay it all at your feet. We give our lives to you today. Jesus, is in your precious holy name we pray. Amen.